You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil, I'm here with Jeff and Ken, how are you? Welcome back, Neil. Good, I, uh, as you can maybe hear from Neil's voice, he's a little under the weather, so I don't know why we let him kick this one off, but glad to have you here. <laughs> Well, thank you. Uh, it's yeah, in Paul, his contract that he starts the podcast. That's true. He's the leader, apparently. It's in the rider, uh, are you, are along you the with the, the M&M's. The podcast? It uh, comes with no benefits, but he's the leader. I'm the leader, but it's L-I-T-E-R. We, we know that you're de facto the leader. Like, it, as far as our business is concerned, there is no leader. But we know we know what right. people think. Yeah, you're our podcast. We accept, we accept right. that you are the best podcast oh, personality. Thank you. I mean, we could see what happens if I'm the leader or not. I'll just quit, and then we'll see what happens. <laughs> Please don't. Uh, but I was going to say, uh, apologies to the listeners. My voice is kind of gone. Uh, you may have heard it on the Frasier bonus episode. Uh, it was probably much, much worse than this. But, um, yeah, thank you. Uh, how was your, your walking the dog experience uh, this afternoon, Jeff and Ken? <laughs> yeah, Ken, Ken joined me for my, my daily dog walking. So I have eyes everywhere. invites me to hang out with a dog and Jeff. Right. Then I'm going to come. One is very, very cuddly and affectionate, and the other one's his dog. dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's getting a lot better, though. Uh, Ken hasn't seen him in a bit, which, you know, I'm not trying to invite people over while he was kind of going through his, his puppy training and phase, but he's coming along nicely, so uh, yeah, he's, he's being a good boy now. Oh, good. Well, I can't wait to meet him. He's um, a very good boy. Yes. And uh, Matt isn't here today. Uh, he might pop in at some point, but uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's on an expedition right now. He doesn't have Wi-Fi. Uh, and he's actually uh, on an expedition to find a Ford expedition. Uh, he's hacking through uh, trees and shrubbery mm-hmm. with a machete. I believe you're, you're talking about the the DVD of Machete, right? Yes. Right. Yeah, just the DVD with Danny Trejo. Yeah, trying to cut weeds and whatnot. Uh, but we have some special guests here today. Um, super excited, as we said, uh, these last ten episodes uh, on our way to 300 are to celebrate. Uh, our patrons, ones that have been with us the longest, and also some of our newer patrons. Um, so I want to start with our host today. Um, she was on the program before. Uh, we had such a great time with her. Uh, she joined Patreon in uh, February 25th, 2020. Uh, she's an Oakland Five supporter on Patreon, coming to us from St. Louis, Missouri. Mary Randazzo. How are you, Mary? Hi, I'm good. And uh, remind everyone a little bit about yourself. Last time we saw you, we spoke a lot about your art, but uh, we know you have a lot of other great things going on as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm still working on the art thing, still trying to finish uh, an art degree, which helps uh be productive in that sense but um 
everything I'm doing this semester is in ceramics, so I can't bring it home until the end of the semester. <laughs> That's so. fun, though. Love yeah. ceramics. Now, do, does your teacher uh, instruct anyone to do the the ghost, um, you know, figure uh, ghost stuff going on? Yeah, no, unfortunately, that's throwing on the wheel is ceramics too, so I can't. Like, oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Oh well, maybe one, maybe maybe one day. Bring, bring a mug home this this semester. Well, uh, you're going to be our host today, so we, we can't wait to get to that. And thank you for writing a game. Uh, and our next guest, um, we saved it uh, for 299. Um, it is someone who is our first patron ever, joined in June uh, 13th, 2017. Uh, we'll always be forever grateful uh, to our friend from Houston, Texas, Savage Superstar on Patreon, David Raffetto. How are you, David? I'm doing great, guys. It's so nice to be back. It's been a, it's been a couple years since I've been on, but um, really a pleasure to be back. So thanks for inviting me. Of course. You're always in our hearts, David, uh, but it's so nice to see you in person as well. Uh, so remind folks a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, from Houston, Texas, 39 years old, uh, have a job in healthcare communications, uh, wife, two kids, two dogs, um, driving across the state of Texas pretty often to chauffeur my kids to soccer games and fit in some trivia podcasts uh, along the drives. Wonderful. Nice. Yeah. And uh, I know it's just so nice, uh, you know, uh, for all of us here uh, to have David uh, for t episode 299. Uh, pretty crazy, guys, right? Mm -hmm. I got to say... I I can still kind of remember, you know, it's like one of those. What's a, what's the opposite of like a JFK moment, like a positive thing wow. you remember in your life? <laughs> <laughs> I still kind of remember where I was when, uh, like when, when the David, man landed on the moon. When David, yeah, exactly. It was when, a KFJ moment. Yeah. <laughs> when uh, <laughs> are you talking about? Uh, yes, Ken Fisher and Jeff got it. Um, so no, he just meant JFK backwards. I know I was being funny and. Or trying to. Um, but I can remember where I was when David signed up. Uh, we thought for sure we would have badgered one of our, our friends who knew us in real life into doing or it. Or Neil's mom. Or Neil's mom. She's actually the fourth patron. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we had never met David before. It was such a, a shock and a surprise um, that we had even found listeners uh, as far away as, you know, Texas. And uh, it's been a real pleasure. Um, you know, it's such an honor that you're still with us after all this time. And, uh we really can't thank you and the rest of our patrons enough for getting us to where we are now. So, Well, uh, speaking of episode 300, which is next week's episode, um, if you haven't uh, sent in your your uh, question, your audio question for our 300th episode, I guess you might be able to sneak one in. Uh, David sent one in, uh, but if you want to sneak one in, just make sure you send it uh, in the next few days after you hear this. Uh, the, the link is going to be in the show notes. Uh, we're going to be doing that episode fairly live for, for our standards. Uh, we're not going to know any of the questions beforehand. We're going to hear them all for the first time. And uh, we're super excited about that. So uh, make sure to send in those questions. And if you have already, thank you very much. Uh, Ken, you're going to partner with David today. Is that right? Yeah. Any ideas on a team name today? Well, since uh, David is our number one Patreon supporter, let's just be team number one. I like You it. guys could be team number two, if you know what I mean. <laughs> who, well, we, we, we know who. We'll be team A. We know who uh, number two works for. So, uh, are we team number two, Jeff? Yeah, yes. we'll be we'll be uh, the number twos. Okay, the number twos. Wonderful. Uh, and uh, Mary, you are the host. Any preference on a rules read today? Uh, actually, yeah. Uh, I I'm I'm thinking uh, a Dutch reading today because I I actually identified a Dutch accent like on, on somebody just because I heard. <laughs> was it Dutch, that? So. Was it Dutch boy's Dutch accent? Because <laughs> I think she means the real one. No, no, it was just somebody speaking English, and I was like, I think he's Dutch, and I was correct. So, 
Very good. All right. Willem, take it away. De regels van het spel zijn simpel. 20 vragen verdeeld over twee rondes, waarbij elke vraag 10 punten waard is. Halverwege is er een speciale swingronde, ontworpen door de host van deze week. Na deze rondes beginnen de spelers aan de finale, met de punten die ze hebben verdiend. En hebben ze de mogelijkheid om 0 tot 30 punten in te zetten op 5 gecategoriseerde vragen. Aan het eind van het spel wordt iemand benoemd tot the cream of the crop. You're the cream of the crop. I don't think Dutch boy can actually speak today because I don't think it would sound like actual Dutch boy. No, I And don't think so. And we're not going to try he's, it, but... He's banned from the studio today. <laughs> much like uh, my pants, the last time I got off a ladder, I think we should just go ahead and rip it. There you All go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Take it away. Uh, yeah, question one. Uh, in round one. Um, category is wait for it. An absolute star of stage and screen, this actor has played parts as varied as an evil count, an iconic straight man, a horrible doctor, and a genderqueer rock and roll singer. He, is also he also has a professed love of magic, is an amateur magician, and even served as president of the board of directors of the famous Magic Castle in Los Angeles. Who is he? Uh, Ken, when I hear genderqueer rock and roll singer... Maybe that's there's something there with Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, that was the one that jumped out to me, but but maybe maybe that's uh, maybe that's off target. I don't know. Yeah, uh, this person might have been in that. Uh, I'm not sure, but uh, I'm pretty sure we're talking about NPH Neil Patrick Harris for this. Oh, I like it. Yeah, n now that you mention it, I do know. Um, I think she uh, said something about see. a horrible doctor too. That points to NPH to me. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I was uh, I was a Doogie Hauser fan back in the day. So I like your I like your instincts there. Let's lock that in. Yeah, I think the first part was a reference to How I Met Your Mother, um, where the character of Barney does some magic tricks uh, because of Neil Patrick Harris's love for magic. So that's what we went with too. And the answer is definitely Neil Patrick Harris. And, and uh, Neil Patrick Harris did uh, perform in Rocky Horror. It was for a special uh, benefit concert uh, performance for the uh, acting for a cure, Komen for the cure benefit concert. Very cool. Yeah. Ah, what I was specifically referencing was his uh, role as uh, he uh, starred in uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch when it, mm -hmm. uh, a revival of that mm. on the stage. So, all right, question two. The last time I was in Chicago, Nobuo met Umatsu. Oh, sorry, let me start. Locked in. <laughs> <laughs> Nobuo Umatsu, yeah. Nobuo Umatsu <laughs> is a composer who has been making video game music since 1986. In particular, he's worked on nearly every numbered installment of which series? Yeah, we can uh, lock in, Neil. Yeah. Um, David, this is. Can, uh, yeah. This is a uh, Final Fantasy. I, I agree 100%. Yeah, I've been to the uh, the concerts too and stuff. So, <laughs> Yeah, this, this is definitely Final Fantasy. It is definitely Final Fantasy, yes. Um, I just literally happened to be the last time I was in Chicago was for the 35th anniversary Distant Worlds concert. So, so cool. All right, question three. Too close to home. A real headache to true crime followers, in 1982, seven people were killed in an officially unsolved random mass murder event. The killings were carried out through unusual, though not at the time particularly difficult, means. There were many copycat attempts in the following years, several of these also ending in multiple deaths. 
On the positive side, the crime led to an overhaul in how certain products are packaged and improved quality control, and the specific offense was also made a federal crime. Name the city in which the original seven murders occurred, and for five bonus points, name the product or brand that was the cause of death. Okay, so um, something with the packaging? Yeah, well, they have like those tamper-proof like things on containers now, right? So like you know if like you open a food thing that it's been opened. Oh, like the, yeah, the little strip like or the whatever. Little, yeah, like the plastic thing on the milk carton. Or the little button on the pickles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the pickle murders. The pick, the Do you want to say it's the milk then, like the milk murders or something? Sure. Okay. What city is that in? Because I guess we... Let's say Wisconsin. There's a lot of murder in Wisconsin. Okay, that's not a city, but... We'll <laughs> or we'll say Madison. Madison, Wisconsin. <laughs> okay. uh, I'm not sure about the city, David, but I'm pretty sure it was aspirin. Like somebody was poisoning aspirin. Does that, that sound about right? It, it, uh, it, so it doesn't ring a bell to me specifically. Um, obviously, that's something where the the, the lids on the bottles, though, have... Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're they have the tamper proof where you have to press down and turn. Yeah. Um yeah, is this just if we if we go with aspirin, is this just pick a city uh randomly from the US? Cleveland. Aspirin, Cleveland, locked in. <laughs> oh, oh, this hurts. Okay. I will say the category name too close to home uh was for all of the triviality hosts because Shoot. it happened in Chicago. No. And unfortunately, it was Tylenol. Tylenol. Oh, okay. Yes. That makes sense, but though, was... with them having, like, the foil mm-hmm. on there now yes. so that you know. It if, was, yeah. um, they, because uh, it, it was back when, and also they were they were capsules, um, not like gel caps, but like just plastic caps, not plastic, but whatever, capsules that they could either empty out the actual medication and refill it with cyanide and then put the bottle back on the shelf and nobody Yikes. knew. Gotcha. So. All right. No points for anybody. All right, question four. Um, Category is, it's a trip. Easy Rider was a landmark cultural and box office smash in 1969. Starred Jack Nicholson and was produced by Bob Raffleson and his production company. And any other movie they made should have had the same magic, right? Not really. One year before, the same two men co-wrote and co-produced What Absolute Flop, starring a made-for-TV band. The movie might have flopped, but the soundtrack album made Rolling Stone's 2013 list of 25 greatest soundtracks of all time. I, I have an idea. Okay. All right. These guys are locked in. The only thing that's coming to mind, and it would be surprising to hear that the production the production team was the same as the Monkees. So I know they were kind of like uh, created by the studio and the Hollywood machine. So do you want to just go with that? Because I have nothing else. So, so, so I jotted in on two bands. The Monkees was one of them. Uh, certainly, I know they had a TV show that I used to watch uh, reruns on at Nick at Night when that was a thing. Um, I don't know if they had a, a, a feature movie made about them, but it made it makes sense that they would. The only other thing I had written down was the Partridge Family. I know they also had a TV show, um, but but your first instinct was Monkees. Mine was the Monkees. Let's uh, let, let's go with that and lock that in. Okay. Okay, um, I think it is the monkeys. Um, and oh. is the movie called like "It's the Monkeys"? No, it's I, Jeff. I know it's the monkeys. Um, I can't remember the name of the of the movie. I think it's like Forehead. So we're gonna say Forehead. Uh, um, I want to give you like half points. The answer: the movie is just called Head. Oh, 
Well, no, no points. That's fine. I know. <laughs> that's okay. But you're so close. <laughs> but it, it was is, the monkeys. It is, it is the monkeys. We got the band, Ken. We got All the right. band. Yes. Good enough for yes. me. Moral victory. Close. It was um, close. No cigar. And it's a fun movie to watch. Like, it did terribly at the time because the monkeys TV show was this, you know, pop comedy, you know, classic. And the movie was very much like a a parody of the culture at the time it it did not go over well at the time but it's it's an interesting watch and it is a great soundtrack uh all right moving on um question five uh is uh my version of a listener submitted question uh my cousin will gilbert uh helped me go through all of these questions on very short notice uh and he gave me the last two to fill in my Thank you, Will. Regular yeah, games. appreciate it. So this Thanks, is uh, one of his. Um, and it's just the category is science. Made up of an anther and its filament, what is the male part of a flower called? All right, these guys are locked. So got uh, two words floating around my head. Do you have any any ideas? I, I probably had the same two words floating around in my head. I have stamen and pistol. Shoot. Those <laughs> those are creeping back from like eighth grade life science yeah. uh, class. I think stamen is where we want to go. I, I want to say somewhere in the back of my brain, she's asking for the male part. Yeah. And to me, the the visual of a pistol seems to be more suggestive. But for some reason, I'm thinking that the answer is counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. So if you say stamen, uh, I'm okay going with that. All right, too. let's go with stamen. And we said stamen. And stamen is the answer. Yay. Yay. All right. Um, let's see if we can't get some separation here, I guess. Uh, as we move on to question six, which is the sports question that I really, really struggled with because I don't know anything about sports and Matt's not here to enjoy it. So we'll see how this goes. Name the one pitcher who led all of the MLB in wins and Cy Young awards in the 1990s. Baseball writer Jason Lucart used this man's name as a term to mean throwing a complete game shutout in fewer than 100 pitches, a feat accomplished by its namesake 13 times in his career. I'm okay with that answer, Neil. Okay, we'll give it a shot. David? <clears throat> when I think of baseball pitchers in the 90s, I think of the dominant uh, Atlanta Braves uh, pitching staff. Of course. Which was which was what, right, Glavin and Maddox and Smoltz, but I don't know that any of those guys are necessarily the the right answer. Yeah, we, we all know we all know Love that, Greg of course. Maddox yes. Greg Maddox is my favorite pitcher. I hope it's not him, but... Especially me, yes. I know everything that you're talking about, so... <laughs> um, Randy no, Johnson was around and pretty dominant at that time as well. That's an option. He hadn't yet exploded um, a pigeon. Let's do the Lucky Johnson. <laughs> he had the same nickname as Ken. Ken doesn't even know. That's okay. Uh, let's do the Lucky Johnson, shall we? Okay. Sounds good, man. Uh, I hope it's not Greg Maddox. Uh, he's my favorite pitcher uh, that David mentioned. Um, I was watching the the, Ro- the the Roland Nyan documentary, the Nolan Ryan documentary, um, <laughs> called Facing Nolan, and I couldn't believe Nolan Ryan never won a Cy Young Award, but one of the interviewees was Roger Clemens, who won seven, and I'm just kind of playing the numbers that in the 90s, Clemens had a ton, so we said Roger Clemens. And un- Unfortunately, it's Greg Maddox. Oh, oh, no. That's disappointing. Apparently the winningest pitcher in the 90s. He was so good because he wasn't even that fast. 
It's just smart. Control, man. Control. He could put it wherever he wanted it. Mm-hmm. What's Randy Johnson's nickname? The Big Unit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Neil. You're welcome. <laughs> well, I'm glad that, you know, the, the, the correct answer was said, even if nobody went with it as an answer. Because, again, I have no way to gauge the difficulty of sports questions. That was a great question. Matt that would have known it, certainly. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, something slightly different now. Uh, game plan. Name the board game that began as a slightly modified version of an early 20th century French game called The Attack, but in French, so L'Attack or something. It was produced in Europe as early as 1946 and in the United States since 1961. Although there are lots of variants, the classic game is based around two armies. Most pieces have a military rank, but several important pieces do not. Winning the game often requires a good offense, effective defense, espionage, and cleverly placed demolition. Name the board game. I think we can lock in, David, if you're trusting. Sounds good. Okay. I trust you. This isn't the one Kramer Newman played on a train, right? Which one is that? Risk. No. Okay. I don't believe it's Risk. It's um, the sabotage is getting me. I, I can see it in my head, but... I feel like it starts with like an R or an S. It's not Sabotage. That's, that's a good name for a game. No, that'd be great. Uh, but I don't believe it's Sabotage. I think it's called Stratego. Oh, Stratego. I've heard that. Yeah, that's totally it. Because that's like the, the anti-risk. It's a little bit different. I played Stratego as a young lad. Not correctly, but I played it some somehow, some way. And we went with Stratego. And Stratego is the correct answer. Yay! Um, my right. grandparents had a copy in their house that was probably my parents, and we played it all the time as kids because Risk took too long. Ken and I were discussing this earlier. You don't have to play games correctly. The way we probably played D&D as kids was generous. So Very generous. <laughs> well, it got you out of the house, and, and you met a Demogorgon. Oh, no. and, and just into someone me, else's got basement. got me out of the house into Jeff's house, mm. Rob's house. Oh, sorry. We don't mention that Rob played with us, right? Oh, I don't. I don't think he cares. He, he doesn't definitely care doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> back uh, back in high school, Rob used to say, "Don't tell, don't talk about he it." He was at too school. cool to admit I'm, he played D and D. Too with cool us. for this. Don't talk about it at school. So. I'm glad times have changed though, and and, and it is now cool. Yeah. This one category is. Uh, I don't think Dr. Kurt Connors is one. Like many exotic pets, tegus are loved by many and are considered a dangerous invasive species by many more. South Carolina banned import and breeding of tegus in 2021, and there are nearly a dozen states where it is illegal to keep them as pets. What kind of animal is a tegu? Uh, we can lock in. Mm. So I don't know how specific we need to be, Jeff, but uh, the, the category, uh, Kirk Connors, I believe that's the, the lizard from Spider-Man. Poor Peter Parker. So I it, think that works. Is it just lizard? We have to be more specific? Nope. Let's oh. say lizard. Cool. Yeah, we said lizard on the merits of the uh, the hint. Oh, good. It was an effective hint then, because they are lizards. Awesome. They are usually described as dog-sized lizards, Ooh. Whoa. which makes it even more terrifying and understandable why they wouldn't want people having them as pets and then randomly letting them go. Do you think think a a lizard's ever eaten its owner like that had it as a pet? Oh, yeah. Maybe. Probably, yeah. I'm sure there's snakes. My cousin's snake used to stretch out um, before big meals. Yeah, I'm going to stretch out. And and somebody was like, it's because he's he's trying to size you up. 
<laughs> snake? That's Steve. Steve the snake. I'm going to stretch out on him. It's the worst gonna, character I don't like that. I'm going to wrap you in my, uh, my coil. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question nine. A cornucopia of sweetness. Name the man named Marion at birth, and he is a junior who co-founded Death Row Records, was potentially, or at least conspiratorially, involved in the deaths of Tupac and Biggie, and is currently incarcerated until at least 2034, which will be his first chance at parole. He also played professional football for the briefest of moments. For, two, for full points, name the man. For five bonus points, name the team for which he played two whole NFL games in 1987, his entire professional career. I know the the uh, rap producer Jeff. Do you know what team he was on? Wait, am I? Is this correct? Do I have the first part correct? That's correct. And that's my guess for the team. That that makes sense. Okay, we can lock in. Oh, I knew a thing. All right. Uh, so these guys are locked in. Um, most likely with Suge Knight. Would you agree with that part? Suge Knight, I agree. And I've got I've got no angle on the NFL team other than just guessing a random. So team. since he's <laughs> I'm gonna piss a bunch of people off. Since he's kind of scummy, <laughs> should we go to the Raiders? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. I don't know anything about football. That's just my impression. I thought you were going because the Golden Knights are in Las Vegas and now the Raiders are in Las Vegas. Obviously that's where you're going. But um yeah, we said Suge Knight and we said the Raiders. Suge Knight is correct, um, uh, but he uh, his brief NFL career was with the L.A. Rams. Ooh, oh. The other L.A. team at the time. So your cousin has played in the same uniform as Suge Knight. Wow. That's never been mentioned on the show publicly before, so I don't know if I'm okay with that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Trying to edit it out? Oh, yeah. No, I thought we have talked about that it. That your cousin won the Super Bowl <laughs> single-handedly? <laughs> <laughs> Just say his name. Now, now everybody knows. Oh, what's Brian. his name? What's his Brian, phone number? Brian what's Allen. his social shout security out. number? Brian Allen. Shout out. <laughs> oh, I good, don't know. Great football player. Great man. He's a good guy. Yeah. Hello to the the Rams locker room, who surely listens to our podcast. Oh, absolutely, all of them. All fifty three <laughs> men on that team. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, finish round one. Uh, question ten. Uh, category: Bullwinkle calls it home away from home. Notably used in several countries, Australia among them, ranked voting or ranked choice voting is far from the norm in the United States. In fact, there are only two states that currently use a ranked voting system to elect national level politicians. For five points each, name them. Hint, both states share an official state mammal. It'd be a lot cooler if we did, though. Oh, I loved ranked choice voting. Any uh, Anything jumping out at you for this one? It's not Texas. <laughs> no, I would say um, not. I have been I watching. Know whether or not it was Illinois. Have been watching the polls. Um, but I'm not sure. She said they share the same state mammal, which is probably the moose, because we were talking about Rocky and Bullwinkle at the top, right? That's a good point. I would say Washington. And how about Washington and Oregon? Kind of progressive, progressive type states. Alaska also strikes me as a, as a state mm. that does weird stuff maybe sometimes. Okay. Uh, I and don't they, know if moose, they definitely uh, have moose. Let's go with Alaska then and Washington. How about that? Okay. Let's do it. Let's lock it in. 
Oh, I never even thought about Alaska. Um, I think one of them is in the Northeast. I can't remember if it's like Vermont, New Hampshire, or Maine. We went with New Hampshire, and we said Oregon for the other one. Uh, well, it's a good thing I said five points each, because there will be at least some points in the board. The answers are Alaska and Maine. Hmm. Going into the swing round, it uh, looks like team number two is in number two with 60 points and narrowly ahead with 65 points with that bonus right there, that little uh, pickup of Alaska is team number one with 65. Very good. Before we go to the swing round with uh, with Mary, just wanted to say we're super excited to announce uh, that we're going to be doing Bloodsport Season 3, and it's going to be called Bloodsport Olympics. And uh, for everyone wondering, um, it's going to be a competition uh, that's a little bit bigger than we normally have done before. What we're going to do is we're going to have 32 competitors uh, with mini games, uh, eliminating them until we get to a final eight, and then those final eight will go through a traditional Bloodsport tournament. Uh, what's different this year, though, and the reason it's called Olympics, is we're going to have someone representing uh, eight different sectors. So we're going to have a Midwest competitor, South competitor, East Coast, West Coast, and then an Australian, Canadian, UK, and Greater Europe. So it's going to be a true sort of Olympics format for blood sport. Our friend Ryan Myers is going to help us again. And uh, if you are a patron, uh, or if you're not a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast. But if you are, uh, you will have seen a sign-up form to uh, sign up to be on the show, and we will be announcing uh, our competitors very soon. Yep, so generally, um, you know, regular episodes, uh, you do not need to be a patron to appear. So if you are interested, of course, keep following us uh, on Facebook uh, in the crop where we put up our normal postings. But Bloodsport participation is limited to patrons only. So just a nice little thing we hope to give back to them for all they've given to us. So a lot more bonus content uh, for Bloodsport, but uh, let's see which uh, sector, which uh, district, I guess. It's not the Hunger Games. No one's going to be killed. But District 9. Yeah, which, which sector is going gonna, is gonna to win out, but we're super excited. It's going to be really, really fun. All right, what do you have in store for the swing round today? All right, so this is going to feel a little bit uh, a little bit festive for the festive that just fast, um, because I was writing these around Halloween. Um, I decided to go with that theme for uh, the swing round. Cool. Halloween's um, timeless. So, so uh, what I did is I went and found 12 uh, Halloween episodes of TV shows. Um, and I'm going to give you the title of the episode. Uh, and the, ep- the episode title will not be Halloween, which... Lots of Halloween episodes are just called Halloween. That was an unexpected challenge. Um, I'm going to give you the title of the episode, the year uh, of its release, and the general... Basically, this is the first tagged uh, genre on IMDb for the show. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll need you to name the show. Uh, All of these are live action unless I specify that they're animated. All right, so it's going to be 12 questions for five points apiece. Uh, go ahead, let it rip, one after another. All right, uh, number one. The Howling Man, 1960, drama. Number two, Twitch or Treat, 1966, comedy. Number three, Trick or Treatment, 1982, comedy 
Number four, The Tale of the Twisted Claw, 1992, drama. Number five, Eye of the Beholder, 1995, animated action. Number six, Girls Just Want to Have Fun, 1996, action. Number seven, Fear Itself, 1999, action. Number eight, Curse of the Werewolf, 2002, animated adventure. Number nine, Don't Have a Cow, 2003, comedy. Number 10, The Slutty Pumpkin, 2005, comedy. Number 11, The Middle Earth Paradigm, 2007, comedy. And number 12, Trick or Treat Freak, 2017, drama. We'll be considering these and we'll be right back after these messages. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or she, call the police. Or call the police like she should have, exactly. <laughs> What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. And we are back with our answers. We'll see how it goes. Can we get the uh, titles one more time? Yeah. All right. Uh, number one was The Howling Man. We didn't know. We said The Twilight Zone, even though that's redundant to have a Halloween episode. We said The Twilight Zone. 
And the answer is the Twilight Zone. All right. Or however the... Off to a great start. Yeah, my falsetto's gone. I told you. I can't do it. Uh, number two is Twitch or Treat. We didn't know. Uh, we picked a comedy from around that era, and we chose Dick Van Dyke. Hmm. Um, thinking of the Twitch, uh, the main actress used to twitch her nose. We oh, said Bewitched. And Bewitched is correct. What a poll. Number three, trick or treatment. Uh, we went with the medical angle here, and we said mash. We also said mash. Mash is correct. Number four. Now we're getting into more of the 90s and clearly more of where I was watching television. Um, the Tale of the Twisted Claw. We didn't know. We said Doogie Hauser. Um, Maybe he treated somebody with a twisted claw. This is one of my favorites. We now present to you from the Secret Society our guests of... Midnight Society? Yeah, the Midnight Society. Are you afraid of the dark? It is Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah, Neil said uh, a lot of their episodes started with the tale of, so mm. that was a great poll. Yes, yes, very good. Um, number five, Eye of the Beholder. We weren't sure, so we said Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, we guessed X-Men, the animated series both good guesses this one was actually uh gargoyles oh wow um, what a poll that was a great show yeah what a yeah what a great yeah. deep cut there that's I, I yeah again some of these may be a little bit uh this is basically i had to pick shows that i liked so i forgot about gargoyles it's a great show yeah it, it is a glary it's like it's very it doesn't it's not long you can watch all of it uh uh and it's all good all right number six girls just want to have fun uh, you'll notice we went back-to-back -back Buffy on these next two because we weren't sure which one. But we were sure one of them was probably Buffy, so we said Buffy. Uh, we also picked one for Buffy, and it was this one. So we said Buffy. Unfortunately, Buffy did not start until three years after this. Um, this one was Xena Warrior Princess. Oh. <laughs> uh, number seven, Fear Itself. Uh, back to back, we went Buffy again. Might be right with Buffy since you've got the time frame. Um, this sounded to me kind of like an X Files title, so that's what we guessed. And this one is Buffy. This mm. one was the first season. Uh, fear itself. David with the excellent strategy of spamming Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> Worked out. Well, she mentioned uh, Mary mentioned it uh, when we were testing mm -hmm. her mic, so I thought that's oh, that's she's true. Got a, she's got an affinity for it. It might come up. <laughs> Man. Spamming Buffy was Neil's tactic in grade school, but it did not work out. I literally was just going to make the same joke. And that's why he's sending letter after letter. That's why Sarah Michelle Geller never got back to me. I was, I was trying to do you the favor and save your voice. Well, well no, that's okay. And I appreciate it. And uh, it's funny, on my Spotify, sometimes when I'm on a, a random song or whatever, um, I'll get Jennifer Love Hewitt's album I used to have, too. Because I, I just listened to it because I liked her, not because the music was good. But wow. that didn't work out either. Okay, um, number eight, Curse of the Werewolf. We figure there's been so many reboots of Scooby-Doo that maybe one of them was on in 02. That kind of sounded like a title from that show, so we went with Scooby-Doo. Mm. Um, Neil thought that this was Wallace and Gromit. Mm. Uh, it's close to a Wallace and Gromit title. I think that was, was oh, that the Were-Rabbit. That might be the Were-Rabbit. That's what, that's what yeah. I was thinking of, yeah. Yeah, this one is uh, Rugrats. Actually. Oh man, was that that was that was on in two thousand two? 
apparently. Wow. Yeah, that was that surprised me. That was right before they all growed up. <laughs> nice. Um uh number 9 is don't have a cow. Uh not sure, but we guessed scrubs. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we didn't know either. We just guessed a early 2000s comedy. We said everybody loves Raymond so that Ken could do his impression. Wow. Don't, don't well, have a cow, Raymond. Le- way to leave me hanging, Ken. <laughs> Raymond, don't have a cow. Um, this one is one where it would have been easier if I had, if I had like added a secondary tag on these. Um, the, it was, uh, this is That's So Raven. Oh, one of Ken's favorite uh, shows. Uh, Raven. <laughs> <laughs> Every, that'd be great. A spinoff or a, 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 what do you call it? A crossover. Everybody loves uh, Raven. 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 Everybody loves Raven. <laughs> well, it was not the future that we could see. So Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, back to the ones that I think people might actually know. Uh, number 10, the slutty pumpkin. Uh, we guessed How I Met Your Mother. Well, Ted has a way with dating in How I Met Your Mother. It is How I Met Your Mother. Uh, number 11, the Middle Earth Paradigm. Uh, we put down the Big Bang Theory. Yep, Neil knew this right away as the Big Bang Theory. Indeed, Big Bang Theory. Number 12, Trick or Treat Freak. Uh, we guessed Glee on this one. Uh, Neil says Stranger Things. Stranger Things is correct. This is another one that would have benefited from the second tag. The first was drama. The second was horror. Yeah, I think this is the one where they dress up as uh, Ghostbusters. Yes, that mm-hmm. is correct. Second season. Oh, how the tables have turned after the swing around. It looks like team number one picking up 25 points, bringing their total to 90, but gaining a narrow lead, team number two, or the number twos, with 100. All right. Um. Well, then I guess let's see what happens in the second half of the game. Uh, Round two, question one. The red and the white. Occurring only hours apart on the 29th and 30th of this past August, two major trucking accidents coincided in massive spills of arguably related food products. The first happened on I-80 in Vacaville, California, and it spilled more than 150,000 fruits into the road, where they were shortly crushed in traffic, creating dangerously slippery road conditions. The second crash happened on I-55 in Memphis, Tennessee, and rather than raw fruit, spilled hundreds, if not thousands, of jars of pre-made sauce into the road, creating a huge mess of sauce and broken glass. For full points, identify both lost cargoes. Is that the red or the white? Good reference there, Ace Ventura. New England clam. A truckload of New England clam clam chowder. We're going to lock in. I think Neil's got it here. Okay. So probably a red fruit and a white sauce, right? What goes well together? When she started reading the first half of the question, I heard red and white. That made me think of wine. So I thought, oh, grapes. But then as she kept reading, I think, no, probably if we have a red fruit and a white sauce. That's mm-hmm. the way I interpreted it. Um, what do you think of like strawberries and marshmallow fluff? So it's funny you said marshmallow fluff because that's I had that. And then I said, well, that's not an Alfredo kind of popped around my brain, too. But the fact that both of us, for whatever reason, that came 
from some part of our brain. Um, I like that. It would also make for a very interesting news story without sticky stuff spread all over the all over the road. Um, so I like the marshmallow answer. Um, you said strawberry for the fruit? Yeah, right? just because, like, I don't know, if I'm thinking about, like, making a sandwich with these things, like, strawberry, like, jelly, and maybe that's, maybe it's jelly. The strawberries come to mind because, like, if I was to make a sandwich, like, peanut butter, marshmallow fluff, strawberry jam, all kind of goes in the same category sure. to me. So sure. I wouldn't mind going strawberry and and fluff that sounds good let's lock it in we went the other way i think right yeah we we kind of just kept it simple uh what's red we said tomato that would be kind of gross to spill everywhere and uh we thought what would be the funniest thing to be in a headline we said uh alfredo and it was and that might help to remember that i am at least uh have an italian last name <laughs> and there was a truckload of tomatoes and a truckload of alfredo sauce Tomatoes and Alfredos. Yeah, and I believe this guy, th this guy with an Italian last name, did not get there. <laughs> same, same. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. I hadn't thought about that. Um, no, I, and I believe the tomatoes were actually like the processing kind of tomatoes that would have been turned into sauce as opposed to uh, sold in the store. So, all right. Question two: What's in a name? Now the largest tabletop game convention in North America, with more than 50,000 attendees this year, Gen Con was established in 1968 by Gary Gygax. Held in Indianapolis since 2003, Gen Con has had several homes in previous decades, but in what city, also home to Gygax's grave, were the first 10 Gen Cons held? Should we roll a dice to decide? Ooh, I like that idea. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I know where the company's headquartered now, so we're just going to take a guess. Um, David, I think Gary Gygax was like from somewhere around here, Midwest for sure. Um, so maybe he's buried around here and the Gen Con might have started around here. What do you think of that? Don't know where he's from, don't know where he's buried. Um, let's say, um, legacy, certainly. Let's say like... Uh, Something, something, I don't know why, but I, I want to say like Lake Geneva. Mm. It's crazy, but that's what I want to say. Let's say it. I think maybe he had a house there one time. What a twist wow. if David was like, I know where he's buried, but I couldn't tell. I can't tell you where it is. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was curious. So I looked up his page. We guessed Seattle, um, but. But Gen Con is called Gen Con because it was the first one was held and started in Lake Geneva. Wow. He was born in Chicago, Illinois, and he passed away in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. What a poll. Let me get that uh, nerd card officially stamped. <laughs> <laughs> well get done. Get it branded into your skin. All right. Question three. A rock and a radiohead place. The Eads Bridge in St. Louis has been in use since it was completed in 1847 or 1874. It was the first of its design and the first bridge to span the wider, more dangerous waters of the Mississippi. Workers had to drill down over 100 feet below the water level to place support pillars on bedrock, and decompression sickness was a clear and constant danger. 
so prevalent that this construction project is most likely the origin of the colloquial name for this illness. What is DCS more commonly called? Uh, Neil, I believe this is the Benz. The Benz? Yes. Does that does that sound familiar to you? The Benz? Like B-E-N-D-S? Yes, I believe so. <laughs> B-E-N-D-Z is you like, know, the... like the Radiohead album. Like, no, like, uh, oh. like you know, when, when Neil's um, cruising in his Lolo, uh, the Benz. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the Benz. Yeah, we said the same. It is the Benz. I just, I found this fascinating because the Eads Bridge is so, it's so strange. It's so everyday in St. Louis, but it's, it's clearly, it's more than a hundred years old, close to 150 years old. And it's just still one of the uh, major bridges that you used across the Mississippi in this area. Yeah. All right. Question four, a storm and a shady past. One is a movie released in 1996 and nominated for two Academy Awards. The other is a movie released in 2005 and also nominated for two Academy Awards. The first film was released on VHS on October 1st, 1996, and then on DVD March 26th, 1997, and is considered to be the first DVD film release in the U.S., the second was released for home video on March 14th, 2006 in both DVD and VHS formats and is often cited as the last major Hollywood film to have a VHS release. Name either film for full points and both for five bonus points. David, uh, I've got a, yep. I know the first part and I've got a I guess do too. for the second part. Do you have any, any specific idea for the second one? I don't. Uh, I don't on the second half. I'm. I'm trying to play off the off the category name um, and the year, but I don't have a, a film title jumping to me. All right. I'll. Uh, I'll go ahead and lock in for us then. Okay. So Neil and I pretty quickly wrote down Twister, both of us, for the first one. I, I remember hearing that, and it fits with a storm. So I think we're gonna go with Twister for sure. Twister for sure. And then looking at uh, maybe a character with a shady past from. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I don't know on the second one. I'm going to tap on that. Okay. But we feel confident with Twister. So, yep, we went with Twister. And uh, for the second one, we're going to guess Batman Begins. Well, uh, full points for everyone because the answer is Twister. The uh, which was is the first movie released on DVD in the U.S. Um, the last movie released on VHS, and this is arguable, but most places will tell you it is a history of violence. Oh, nice! <laughs> Great movie, The Berg, Cronenberg, yeah. Cronenberg, the better of the the Berg. <laughs> oh, Cronenberg! What do you think about that? I think it's false, and I think we're about to have a history of violence in the studio. That's Edward sure. Norton, yeah. Uh, no, Viggo, Viggo Mortensen. Uh, Viggo Mortensen, that's right. Yeah. All right, question five, and this is my second Will Gilbert question. Um, again, thank you, Will. Uh, oh, okay. Udalali indeed. Brian Bedford was a prolific actor of stage and screen, second all-time in Tony nominations for an actor with seven. But according to his Wikipedia introduction and my students, his most famous role is as the voice of what title character from a 1973 film? On a BuzzFeed list of hottest Disney guys, he is by far the highest ranked of his species. <laughs> That's a hilarious question, and I know it. 
so we're good. So I, I feel like I've seen people on Twitter or TikTok talking about hot Disney characters. Right. And uh, I believe the hottest one from what I... Flick from Bug's Life. Oh, yeah. Which, who was that again? What, what actor was that? an ant. No, I mean, what actor was I that? don't know. It wasn't Woody Allen and Ants. So that definitely no. wasn't on the, on the list. Um, I think um, it's the fox from Peter... Or uh, not Peter Pan. Uh, Robin Hood. Yeah. I, I don't know. Because he, he's always smirking. And I feel like people like that he's smirking. And they find it attractive. And it, even though he's a fox. Oh, he's a fox. Stone right. cold fox. So that's what we're going to go with. Robin Hood. Uh, yeah, Udalali makes me think of the little uh, the little uh, ditty that they sing throughout that movie. We uh, we said Robin Hood. Robin Hood is correct, and uh, he says he took the uh, the uh, the Udalali indeed straight from the Buzzfeed list. But yes, it made me laugh really hard when I read it the first time, and I was like, I'm using that. So definitely Robin Hood. All right, uh, looks like both teams picking up 40 points in the first half of the second round. Uh, scores are going to be 130 for team number one, and team number two still narrowly in the lead with 140. How confusing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, I'm glad I'm not the one in charge of keeping track of those those two things, or saying them out loud, considering I'm having trouble speaking. <sighs> All right, uh, question six. Uh, boop the snoot. It's not a good idea to keep alligators as pets, and it's definitely a bad idea to flush pet alligators down the toilet or let them loose in random suburban lakes when they get too big. They might wind up in the sewers or exposed to toxic and or transformative substances. That's what happened to Leatherhead in at least a couple versions of his backstory. Leatherhead is most often a villain in what comic book and cartoon universe? Uh, I guess we're going to have to just tap out on this one. Not even going to guess. We can go with your guess. Chance on Bob Strike Back? Or, or no. Well, we think the oop, oop the Snoop is from uh, Jay from Jay and Silent Bob, uh, one of his catchphrases. And they dressed up like Batman in Mall Rats, so we said Batman. Ah. Okay. Uh, David, anything jumping out at you? A couple things. When she first started reading the question, I thought Killer Croc, which is, but that, right, that fits the comic and animated, but it's Batman, specifically right? on alligators. Yeah, not on crocodiles. Um, so a little bit of game theory here, if you'll allow. Um, I'll allow it. Er- earlier, Mary showed us a certain tattoo uh, of a certain Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Um, and the question mentioned comics and animated, which that's a check mark for. I was I was thinking the exact same thing, David. So let's go. And with... also writes flushing in sewers. He's mm-hmm. down there with them. They run into each other. And I think so I remember that... fighting him in many of the video games too. So we'll we'll go with TMNT. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is the answer. It's a shame you guys put TMNT for not the correct answer. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's why i was on the Fair. tip of my tongue I, I, and yeah. and unfortunately boop the snoot was just a i was listening to uh specifically that came from the podcast where i was that was about alligators and she said that who the the alligator scientist was said that as long as you poke them in the snout they open their mouth like anything all you have to do to get them to open their mouth is, is literally boop them in the snoot and they open <laughs> their mouths i just thought that was adorable so well, Sorry, I have to look up off. Jay's catchphrase now because that's what I thought it was. So next time I'm in a death roll with an alligator, I just got to boop the snoot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, question seven. Whitey Ford sings the birthday song? As ubiquitous as it seems now, Google hasn't been around forever. It hasn't even been around as long as the internet. How old is Google? 
Yeah, I think, I mean, I've got a rough guess. We might be within a year or two, but I think we're close. So I would say I first have recollection at Google around like 99 or 2000. So do you want to say like 23 years old? Because I feel like it would have existed before we had recollection of it Mm -hmm. also. But like I remember right once upon a time, Yahoo was my preferred search engine. Yeah. Um, And then Like when Google Google. came on the scene, it was like, oh, you're one of those weird Google people. (laughs) That's right. Um, I feel like it's a little earlier than you said. You said 99. Is that right? Yeah. I I feel like it's a little bit. Yeah, twenty five. Let's say twenty five years. Yep, and right. I would make it a nice anniversary reason to answer to ask the question too. Let's okay. say twenty five years. We also said twenty five years. All right. Uh, the uh, I'm you, both of you are going to get points because I have it written down here within a ten percent range. I just didn't say that part out loud, so sorry. Um, but uh, Google, uh, along with uh, Whitey Ford Sings the Blues, both came out in 1998. So they're 24. But mm. everybody mm. gets points. Yeah. All right. So question eight. The picture of history. Despite its name, this important historical artifact is actually composed of images embroidered onto cloth rather than woven into the cloth. And it was probably made in England, but it does show the events of the Battle Battle of Hastings from the Norman point of view. This 11th century work of art is more than 224 feet long and is so visually inspiring that it has appeared in the title or end credits of many films, including Bedknobs and Broomsticks and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. What is it called? David, I'm kind of uh, piecing together kind of what she's referring to, but I have no name coming into mind. So um, do you just want to lock something in your best guess? Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've got a, I'm in the same situation as you. I've got what I think maybe is an accurate visualization, but 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 no official name for it. So I will I will lock something in that is very made up. OK. <laughs> Jeff, you seem to have some sort of inkling on this one. I'm pretty sure it's a. A tapestry, so something tapestry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Tapestry. I feel like they parodied this in an episode of Futurama with like arachnid alien invasions. Um, I think it's the Bayou tapestry. Born on the Bayou. How does that? How does that sound to you? That sounds right. I'm. I'm assuming it's probably not spelled like B A Y O U. I don't. But I don't believe so. If it's French, probably like E U X or something. But yeah, that's good with me. It sounds. Uh, uh, like a very fine tapestry. Do you remember when uh, our friend said, quick, give him CCR? Bone on a little pump in the chest. Um, yeah, what'd you say? The uh, tablecloth of Winchester or what? Uh, we locked in with a very official sounding tapestry of Britannia. Mm. Ooh. Mm. I like that. Yes. Uh, and, and like I said, it is kind of counterintuitive, too, because it's not actually a tapestry if you're being technical about it. And it is named after the French city of Bayou because it's from the Norman perspective, despite being made in England. It is the Bayou Tapestry. Nice, Jeff. Great job, and it yeah. is spelled B-A-Y-E-U-X. So. Yeah. Um, all right. Question nine. Geography. The name of this country can be literally translated as borderland. 
which is why it was one of the few countries to often have the article the before its name in English. It's more natural in English to say the borderland rather than just borderland. However, since the country declared its independence in 1991, the country's official position is that the definite article is incorrect, both grammatically and politically, as it implies disregard for the country's sovereignty, something they are determined to keep. I think we have a lot in here, David. Is this maybe Ukraine? Oh, it could be. Yeah. They're, they're very much intent on keeping their sovereignty. They separated from the USSR in 1991. Um, that's good logic there. It's somewhere in that former Soviet bloc, I want to say. Okay, I like that. Poland? No, no, we're just gonna go with Ukraine and see what happens. Okay. Uh, David, I agree with them. There's a big ado about whether to say the Ukraine or Ukraine, and uh, currently we're going with Ukraine. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Also, uh, if you'll note uh, in the background behind Mary, there is a sunflower with a certain flag. So mm. that may or may not be coincidence based on her smile. I'm guessing not. <laughs> All right. Ukraine. Uh, yes, the answer is Ukraine. All right. Question 10. Before they did Iron Man. Stephen King has written a lot of books and short stories. And there have been many attempts at film adaptations, a few decent movies, several good miniseries, and lots of bad movies. But all of those adaptations were in the hands of others. Stephen King himself has only directed one movie, and it is objectively terrible, but fun to watch. Starring Emilio Estevez and featuring a soundtrack mostly written by ACDC, named the directorial debut and finale of Stephen King. You could have stopped way earlier, right, Neil? That's right. Uh, we're going to go with Maximum Overdrive. overdrive. Yeah, we agree. <laughs> maximum Overdrive is correct. Have you ever seen this, David? I've not. Is that the one with like the runaway truck or something? Yes, the yes. trucks yeah, come okay. to the life. Truck and, and, the, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. and one of them is, is based on the Green Goblin, and it is, it is a fantastic mess. <laughs> and Stephen King himself has said that he that, that was in his full of coke and not knowing what he was doing on a daily mm-hmm. basis, period. So it's, but it's great. After regulation, both teams picking up 40 more points, bringing the totals to team number one, 170, and the number twos with 180. All right. Uh, again, there's a slight theme to these final five categories. I was... Uh, like I said, writing these, beginning to write these questions around Halloween. Um, and I went to several concerts right before Halloween. And these are all kind of uh, in that theme. Uh, it won't really help you with the questions, just so you know. Uh, but your categories are ninjas, skeletons on parade, cherries, pterodactyls, and ludo. All right, both teams have decided to go all in on the final round questions, so it's all going to ride on this. Let's have the questions. All right, starting with ninjas. The classical image of the ninja is dressed all in black, but historically speaking, this probably didn't happen. Dressing as a common civilian is a much more effective way to blend into the background, unless you are a puppeteer trying to disappear behind your puppets and props, as happened in Bunreku Theater. 
The early drawings of black cat ninjas may have been borrowing this artistic sense of invisibility. Bunreku is one of several traditional forms of Japanese theater. Name one of the others. Skeletons on Parade. An iconic stop-motion animation sequence is the fantastic skeleton fight sequence produced by Ray Harryhausen for what film? The skeletons are grown from planted hydra's teeth, a slightly different take on the traditional Greek myth on which the film is based. Cherries. Although there are dozens of types of cherry, and even more cultivars within those types, which is the most produced variety of sweet cherry in the United States? Pterodactyls. Pterodactyls are extinct flying reptiles, and technically not dinosaurs. Pterodactyl also specifically refers to one species of pterosaur. The scientific name of the species is Pterodactylus antiquus. Antiquus from the Latin meaning, well, old. And Pterodactylus from two Greek words meaning what? It might help if you know something about helicopters, bats, or certain cats. And Ludo. Ludo is many things. A board game, the name of a character in Jim, Jim Henson's The Labyrinth, a band named after the character in The Labyrinth, and many more. Ludo is also a relevatory plot point in the beginning of Ernest Cline's 2011 debut novel, when the main character realizes the word has more than one meaning and is able to make real progress in his oological quest for the first time. Name the book. All right. Uh, those are the questions. We'll be back with our answers after this break. Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the chart-topping Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages, teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. All the answers are now locked in. So let's have the questions one more time. And we'll see how we did. Ninjas, uh, the classical image of 
image of the ninja all dressed in black uh, is probably inaccurate and based more likely on uh, traditional Japanese puppet theater. Uh, what is another traditional form of Japanese theater? Uh, David? Um, I have a Hanya mask tattoo, and I know that those originate in Japanese no theater in OH, so we are going with no theater. Cool. That's uh, one I just learned. Uh, I think Neil and I went with the classic Kabuki. Yep. Uh, both are correct answers. Uh, there is also a Yosei, which is more of a spoken uh, drama, but all, all of those are correct answers. Skeletons on Parade. Uh, what movie had the Ray Harryhausen iconic stop-motion animated sequence of skeletons in a fight? We said Jason and the Argonauts. Yep, we said Jason and the Argonauts. Jason and the Argonauts is correct. Uh, and to be fair, to me, this is one scene that I, I, I know the scene off the top of my head, and for the life of me, I thought it was in Clash of the Titans. But no, it's not. It's Jason and the Argonauts. Cherries, uh, although there are dozens of types of cherry, uh, what is the most produced variety of sweet cherry in the United States? Uh, I hear sweet cherry. I think of maraschino. We locked in with maraschino cherry. Yep, the one that I uh, get my Sunday every time. We said maraschino. So the correct answer is Bing. Um, oh. Bing cherries are the ones you see most often uh, for sale in stores for eating as whole cherries. Um, I'm not sure where maraschinos fall on that, but Bing is. I think they're up there. Yeah. But... Hmm. All right. Pterodactyls. Uh, pterodactyls are not dinosaurs, but they are very cool. Um, their name uh, comes from the Greek, uh, taro and dactyl. And what do those two words mean? Kind of had to guess on these a little bit. We thought one was most likely thumb. And the taro is throwing us off, but we went with wing. Uh, yeah, we agree. We think it means wing, but I think it means winged fingers. It does mean wing finger. Uh, dactyl is... Uh, uh, it specifically refers to finger. Um, the fun thing about uh, helicopter is the word, the way that word breaks down, it breaks down into uh, helico, meaning spiral, and ter, meaning wing. So that oh. is, a helicopter is a spiral wing. Uh, oh, spiral. Yeah. And and bats, their uh, they're, uh, genus, I guess, or is uh, chiroptidae which means uh, hand wing. So, mm. but that's, yes. Anyway, that's just fun facts for me. But yes, wing and finger cool. are correct <laughs> answers. Things that are fun, you can't sorry. can't really nerd out, so. Uh, and finally, Ludo. It is many things, and most notably the band in which I went to go see three times before Halloween uh, at their Halloween shows in St. Louis. They have the best fans. Uh, they, they do, in fact. Uh, and all of the categories for this round were based on things related to Ludo and Ludo fandom. Uh, but... What, no question about Lake Pontchartrain? <laughs> Fine. I mean, I that is Lake one of my favorite songs. In Louisiana. But... Um, but this question had to do with Ernest Klein's 2011 debut novel. 
uh, and an oological quest. What was the book? We said Ready Player One. And um, for the game, we too said Ready Player One. And Ready Player One is correct. All the scores are in. It looks like team number one, unfortunately, will not re uh, remain number one. Uh, they picked up 30 points, bringing their total to 200 even. And with 270 points, uh, today's cream of the crop is the number twos. Crop rules everything around me. Good job, guys. Close game all around and a lot of fun. Great questions, too. So thank you for that, Mary. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that we enjoyed them. Like I said, this was very much a scrambling to write questions in a short amount of time. So I'm glad it worked out. No, they turned out great. And uh, please uh, give give your final shout outs for the episode before we uh, have to say goodbye. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, since I haven't thought about this more, uh, I'm just going to once again shout out uh, Mike, Will Gilbert, uh, who helped me so much with this game and is going through a really hard time right now uh, due to things way beyond anybody's control um and some really tragic events here in st louis so uh just really shout out um to all teachers all students and just hopefully one day uh all all kids can feel safe in schools again very good thank you and uh we'll say goodbye to david as well any final shout outs for you uh thanks to my wife for keeping the dogs and the children quiet so we could record the episode um and i would just encourage listeners if you like the show as much as i do lots of laughs learning a lot uh, i encourage you to join me and become a patron wonderful thank you and we can't thank you both enough for your ongoing support and uh, as always, want to remind everybody, this is an Airwave uh, production where you can find other great podcasts such as Fork in the Road, Queen's Podcast, and a little old podcast called Good Job Brain that you people might have heard of. Um, and that will be it for today's episode for David Mary, Jeff, Neil, Matt in the Ether, and myself, Ken. That was Triviality. Triviality.